We've got a couple of weeks left on our series this fall on the fruit of the Spirit. This week and next week are our last week's teaching on this. And this week we have something super special. A dear friend of mine, a fellow uh, pastor and a fellow priest in the Anglican Mission, Brian Patrick, who some of you know, is going to share the word with us today. He lives in Belton. He used to live here in San Antonio. And uh, when I was beginning uh, talking about this, I was kind of discerning with him, like, is this kind of what God is calling us to teach? on we're talking about the fruits of the spirit and i asked him a question i said um uh what like by god's grace kind of what is the fruit of the spirit that is most evident in your life not because of anything you've done but because of what god has done in you and he said without surprise the fruit of gentleness very humbly said i think i have like i have gentleness because of what god's done for me and so i said great i don't have that i would love for you to teach our church on gentleness and he kind of laughed and then i booked him down i like wrote in there like brian's gonna do this and then i think like a week ago i followed up and said hey are you ready to do this and he laughed and thought i was joking i was like no i'm not joking i really want you to like video yourself in belton and teach our church and so um, that's what we're gonna do today um i love brian he's a dear brother and a friend and has been with me through thick and thin and some of you know him some of you don't know him but he is by god's grace the perfect person to uh, share with us the heart of Jesus, the gentle heart. So I hope that you can um, open your notebooks and get ready to take some notes. It's really good. I know it's going to bless you. And more than anything, we pray that God would reveal his gentle heart and his disposition for you and to you through this time. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. It's great to be with you here from Temple, Texas, just a few hours up the road. Thank you, Drew, for inviting me to be among you and, and to be um, with a people that I pray for and I love. It's great to be with you this morning, Gavin. Have you ever thought about what you would say if that colleague at work or that neighbor down the block or that person you've been inviting to your micro-gathering opened up that conversation you've been praying for? Tell me about Jesus. Why do you follow him? Why do you love him? What would you say? Would you talk about Jesus as your savior, the one who forgives your sins and who is the redeemer of your life? Would you tell about his miracles, the people he healed of diseases, the blind eyes that he opened, even the dead that he raised? Maybe you would share your testimony how Jesus has changed and transformed your life. I think most of us, me included, have responded to this question based on the things that Jesus has done. After all, we're bent toward achievement. That's why our resumes are filled with all of our impressive accomplishments and educational credentials. And so Jesus' impressive stats may be the first thing that spills out of our mouths as we rush to answer this question that we've been praying would be asked for weeks, months, maybe even years. But how would Jesus answer? I think we get a glimpse into that at the end of the 11th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, there in the 29th verse. Rather than a resume, Instead of trying to impress, I believe Jesus would share that which is most beautiful in him. 
his very heart. I am gentle and lowly in heart. Gentleness is at the very essence of who Jesus is. It's a fruit of his life that is so apparent in his dealings with others, in the way that he extends his hand to touch lepers when he heals them, because he knows that the deepest need of their heart goes far beyond the healing of a dread disease that is rotting away their body. It's the way that he responds to Martha and her exasperation with Mary. How he teaches the sons of thunder when they're ready to call down fire from heaven. It's in the way that he restores his beloved Peter after his closest friend and disciple has turned away and denied him. You see, the Greek word translated gentle in Matthew eleven twenty nine is used in only three other places in the New Testament. And I don't think that our English language really quite gives it justice. Whatever gentleness is, it's something with far more weight and depth than Merriam-Webster's kind or tender character or temperament. A resource that Drew shared with me, I think comes closer to the mark. It describes gentleness as the ability to endure hostility and criticism without aggression. I think there is more here though. Gentleness is rooted in humility. It's a true estimation of oneself that allows us in the words of C.S. Lewis to think about ourself less. Out of humility's fertile soil grows a regard for the other and an ability to see them and have compassion for them, especially in their brokenness. And finally, gentleness completes itself in a posture of readiness to engage the other and to take the great risk of coming into contact with their brokenness, even at the risk of being rejected or wounded in the process. This is what I see in the gentle and lowly heart of Jesus. In all of the interactions above, Jesus knows himself and he's not burdened by the need to have the approval of the lepers or Martha or James and John or even Peter. But while he's not seeking their approval, he does see them right where they are and he pursues them. For the lepers, Jesus' gentle heart ministers to their deepest wound, their isolation with his touch. For Martha, James, and John, Jesus' gentleness endures their aggravation and their indignation, and it creates the opportunity for a teachable moment that brings transformation to their lives. For Peter, Jesus' gentleness overcomes personal rejection and results in restoration for one who would shepherd Jesus' flock. Isolation, aggravation, indignation, rejection. Those sound familiar? For me, they sound a lot like 2020's theme song. So the question for us 
is what is the crucible that has been this year revealing about our own hearts? Has it revealed gentleness or brokenness? If that's hard to discern, step back and take a look at the fruit that has been produced in your heart. Because one of Jesus's best phrases, just to paraphrase him, is that the fruit don't lie. Let's look, as James might say, at our natural face in the mirror for a moment. And the mirror that I want to hold up for all of us is something that we've all just endured, the 2020 election. When we look in that mirror, what's the fruit that we find? Whether you voted for Biden or Trump, how has your heart been toward the other over the past weeks and months? What do your posts on social media reveal about your heart? Is it hard for you to be in the room with someone who's wearing a MAGA hat or that you know has a Biden-Harris sign out in the front yard? You see, when I look in the mirror of 2020, especially of this past election cycle, I don't see the brokenness of others. Instead, I see my own. I see a heart that still is in great need of transformation. I see a heart that I want to look a whole lot more like Jesus' heart. And the gospel's good news for me and for all of us today, first and foremost, is that whatever we see in that mirror, there's no condemnation for us in Jesus Christ. And just like the lepers, Martha, James, John, and Peter, Jesus sees our hearts and our gentle shepherd is ready to come into our hearts and tend to them. Jesus even now stands at the door of our hearts and knocks. Will we let him in? And once we let him in, how can we participate in the work that he wants to do to bear more of the fruit of the spirit of gentleness in our lives? I think participating with Jesus in this begins first and foremost with knowing our role in this process, what that is and what it's not. If you're like me, you may see the issue in your heart and think it's time to get to work fixing it. But here's the reality. We can't achieve our way into the fruit we desire. It's not how things work. It's what Jesus reveals in John 15. There he says that he is the true vine and we're the branches. And branches don't decide to bear fruit and they don't decide what fruit they're going to bear. They simply don't have the capacity. So the fruit that we desire isn't going to come by achieving it. It's not going to come through extra hard work or better behavior. But we can do something else. We can guard our hearts. If being on Facebook causes you to feel more isolated than connected, cut it out of your life. If talk radio only stirs up indignation and frustration in your heart, turn it off. Let's take an honest appraisal of those things that we're giving access to our hearts and change course where we know we need to, where the fruit is not good fruit.
Third, although we can't achieve the fruit we want, we can abide with the one who produces it and invite the work of the vine dresser, God the Father, in our hearts. The Lord speaks to each of our hearts in different ways. There's different ways that his spirit stirs within us. But I'm hopeful that me sharing some of the ways that I'm abiding and inviting in this season may be an encouragement to you. You see, first, I'm, I'm abiding with Jesus by gazing at his heart through a book by Dane Ortland. It's called Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. It takes an honest and piercing look at the heart of Jesus, at what motivates him, at what, as Dane says, gets him up in the morning. It's a beautiful work, and I commend it to you in this journey for all of us as we seek to have the Lord conform more and more of our hearts to look like his as we abide with him. Another way that I abide is, is, is jogging. I don't jog with music because I'm trying to create space and solitude for me to hear the still and gentle voice of Jesus. A third way that I'm abiding is in the worship music that I'm listening to. Right now, Will Reagan and United Pursuit are really ushering me into the presence of the Lord. And finally, I'm giving. Jesus says that where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. So I'm not just talking about money, but I'm definitely talking about money here. Drew, buddy, you can thank me later for talking to your congregation about giving. And I, I want to encourage you, Gathering, if Drew hasn't preached on the five capitals recently, the different um, types of treasure, the different gifts that God gives us to steward uh, for his glory and in his kingdom, I'd really encourage you to uh, get Drew to, to share that message with you. It's, it's really encouraging and quite insightful. And finally, there's, there's one more way I'm inviting the work of the vine dresser, the father in, the, in my heart, and that's by writing poetry. I want to share something with you that I've written, and then we'll close in prayer. It's a poem that I call Gentle and Lowly. Filled with a love impossible to fathom, gracious and tender, noble and handsome, gentle and lowly, how lovely thou art, gentle and lowly, your beautiful heart. Tenderly he beckons his beloved near, come, he calls, you need not fear, I know your burdens Sin's great toll, paid is their price, unburdened is your soul. Who am I, Lord, that you desire my presence? So great you are exalted in the heavens. What have I done to merit your regard? Only by your compassion have I become your reward. 
creation, redemption, your perfect law. Of all your marvelous works, I stand in awe. But what captures and captivates me so much more, your gentle heart, Lord Jesus, that which I adore. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we gaze at your gentle and lowly heart and we are filled with love and adoration. Come, Lord Jesus, and produce more of the fruit of gentleness in our lives and in our hearts so that we may be conformed more and more into your image for our good and most of all for your glory. All this we ask in your name. Amen.